Blog Talk Radio. My minions. My name is Tom Marquez del Presidente. We're getting a little bit of a late of a start today. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the internet here at the Balance Studio needed to be rebooted. Sometimes we all need to get rebooted every now and then. <clears throat> we got our NFL preview on tap today. Give you a little bit of a roadmap. My name is Tom Marquez del Presidente. You're going to be paying homage to me for the next two hours. As I guide you through this crazy world of sports, uh, and uh, NFL has broken camp. That's right. And breaking news, that's right. Andrew Luck throwing. <laughs> so we're going to be breaking that, that down as well. Uh, NASCAR split state. They're in Pennsylvania, and they're in Iowa. Uh, standing by in the balance green room is uh, – Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest is going to help us break that down. Uh, and then in the second hour, we're going to get into our NFL preview with Rick Riggin, Ed Kratz, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good right here on the Balance Radio Network. Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and 
GEICO makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on GEICO.com or the GEICO mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente. Uh, we had Steve Wilson in the balance green room, and we lost him. Uh, so hopefully we can catch him back. We'll effort to get him back here. Oh, we got him back now. <laughs> Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest joins us, our official NASCAR contributor. How are you, sir? All right, if I can figure out how to use a phone this morning. I seem to be disconnecting everybody. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. I totally understand completely. Uh, Well, NASCAR split in time between two states, Iowa and Pennsylvania. The Pocono Mountains have a different setup, if you will. The Truck Series uh, and Monster Energy Series are at Pocono, while uh, the uh, uh, Xfinity Series out at at Iowa, uh, they're in Newton, Iowa. Certainly, we know them well from uh, IndyCar as well. Very short track up there. Uh, So talk with us a little bit about that game plan and why they decided to split it up like that. And uh, we'll start with the Truck Series, and then we can bounce over to the Xfinity Series before we get into the uh, Monster Energy Series. So talk with us a little bit about Pocono. Uh, certainly, it's, it's got a rich heritage with NASCAR. And uh, talk with us a little bit about the tracks being there in Pocono today, the trucks. Well, the Truck Series, they only got a very short race today. Not going to be very long for them, about 60 laps or so. So you don't have a whole lot of time to... Um, make too many adjustments or go out there and mess around too much. They're going to be a lot up on the wheel really quickly. Uh, some of the stages are really, really short, um, you know, just only, um, you know, 10, 15 laps a piece. So they, they, um, you know, you're, you're not going to get a whole lot of, unfortunately, you're not going to get a whole lot of green flag racing for the first two stages just because of, well, at least in the second stage. I mean, you, you should get a fair amount in the first stage and the last stage, but just the way that they've compressed them down in this very short, you know, just 100 and 
you know, 50 mile or so that, you know, it's, it's not going to take long to get this race in. Um, you know, the only downfall with um, Pocono that we've seen in the past is that no matter whether it's trucks today or the um, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series tomorrow, um, you know, you, you've got a few good laps of very wide open racing going down into turn one, two, and three wide sometimes that people try and, uh, uh, you know, uh, try and crush it down there. But unfortunately, you know, after a few laps or so, the the, the field seems to get really strung out around Pocono. Um, two, three, four, five, sometimes up to, you know, six seconds or more um, between the leader and the rest of the field. Um, so, you know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of this is just going to come down to uh, pit road, uh, what your team is going to do on pit road, the the changes that you're going to make on pit road, and, you know, your crew. And, you know, I wish that, you know, we could, you know, unfortunately I wish that there was something they could do to bust these cars back up and trucks back up around Pocono, uh, but it, it, we just haven't seen it in the last couple of years, and it just gets very, very strung out around that, you know, two-plus-mile triangle up there in Pocono, Pennsylvania. Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, uh, I, I enjoy watching the Pocono race. The scenery is great, uh, and it's just a great track to, to watch some good racing on, so we'll see what happens uh, both today and tomorrow. Let's uh, travel up to Newton, Iowa, uh, in, uh, in, in Cornland uh, there in Iowa, uh, certainly a short track, uh, and I would imagine we would see mostly <laughs> true, what I, what I call true Xfinity drivers as opposed to I don't think we're going to see any cup drivers in uh, the Iowa race. I could I could be wrong about that. Uh, but uh, Casey Roderick, uh, Justin Algier, uh, Elliot Sadler, Shane Lee, uh, Kyle Benjamin, the rookie Christopher Bell, uh, Jeremy Clements, and, and Daniel Hemrick uh, round out the top eight in practice there at Iowa uh, for uh, t- tonight's race at five o'clock. What are your thoughts there, sir? Yes, you're right. There's there's only one driver that's going to make the trip back and forth, and that's Ross Chastain. Uh, he's going to uh, he's going to run the Xfinity Series race tonight. He's practicing today, and uh, or he's going to qualify in in uh, in Pocono today, and then hand the car over to another driver while he flies out there to Iowa, and then we'll be back in Pocono tomorrow. So, you know, we're not going to see the Kyle Bushes, the the Ryan Blaney's, Matt Kenseth. I'm sorry, Matt. Um, yeah, Brad Keselowski's and of the world that are going to come down to the series and they're going to run in Newton, Iowa. Um, it's good to see these drivers be able to go out there. They're going to be able to, you know, separate themselves to some degree and the distance is allowing that to occur. But I think in the last few weeks we've seen uh, Christopher Bell. He's won two races in the last couple of weeks and he's on the up and coming list right now for not only Joe Gibbs racing, but, the Xfinity series as a whole. So he's going to start putting together some numbers that are going to challenge those that are up at the top, like Daniel Hemrick that's sitting at the top, uh, or Yves Howard. So for them, they're going to have to be very watchful and very mindful over, you know, we, uh, we've got what, about six, six weeks or so, uh, including this week before we get to the playoffs. So, Everybody needs as many points that they can get, not only just, you know, just, just playoff points, but points in general. Um, and Christopher Bell seems to be the one right now on the upswing for that. So for everybody out there, um, they get to ride around this uh, 7 8 mile track in Newton, Iowa tonight, and 
that should make for a fun race because we, we see a lot of fun racing out there side by side. Um, very close quarters, uh, races like, you know, like a Richmond, but also races like a Martinsville at the same time. So you've got a lot of short track beating and banging that can go on out there. We've seen uh, some a lot of first-time winners in the past come out of Iowa, um, you know, going all the way back to years ago when Ricky Stenhouse, uh, Trevor Bain, uh, for Ralph Racing, we've seen them go to victory lane there for their first wins in the Xfinity Series. Um, so th- this place has a tendency to produce some first-time winners. Well, absolutely, and one of the things that we know about Iowa is that it takes no prisoners, if we, if you will. And certainly, Reddick saw saw took a spin up there in Iowa, and because it is such close quarters, uh, it's not it's not a matter of if; it's just a matter of when they get all mingled up. Are you still with us there? Uh... Yeah, you still there? Yeah, can you hear me? Hello. Yeah, Hello, can you hear I, me? I got you. Okay. <laughs> and we must have cut out on my end. I apologize for that. I was just talking along. The way I said uh, uh, they're in Iowa because it is such close quarters, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when uh, they get all mangled up. Yeah, it, it, the track is a little bit wider than some of it, like, uh, like a Richmond, but you you've got the different banking and the variable banking that occurs out there in Iowa and so it gives it, it gives that very close quarters and you don't have really even though that the track is wider you don't get a whole lot of room to move around there you see the tendency of a lot of drivers trying to lean on one another around there because they're trying to get into those preferred lines uh about a groove a groove and a half off the yellow line at the bottom so this 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 is where you see the contact come in. This is where you see spins come in. You know Tyler Reddick yesterday he he spun all by himself. So you know that that's just you know one of those single car spins. But you know as close as they run out there, sometimes those single car spins can can wad up a couple of other cars and damage a lot of other people's day at the same time. Um, for them. Um, it's just being mindful out there and just trying to, you know, run the race the best they can, to be honest. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Monster Energy back at Pocono. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the track of Pocono, and we'll get into some of these uh, uh, power drivers, if you will, that were coming off of New Hampshire, uh, what we saw there, and reflect off of what we saw in New Hampshire. So, so we'll start there. New Hampshire is a recap of the race uh, up there in the Northeast last week. Um, well, I didn't watch it, so, uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, okay. I, I, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't really watch much. I didn't pay much attention to it last week. Unfortunately, I, I was, uh, um, suffering the effects of, uh, some, uh, some being sick. So, <laughs> no, I understand. Um, well, yeah. well, we'll just go. We'll go ahead. We'll go into uh, uh, Pocono. Talk with us a little bit about the Pocono track, and then I will. We'll kind of go through some of these power driver lists that I have here, and uh, we'll go through uh, the the field uh, for uh, the uh, Monster Energy Series uh, race there in Pocono. So you've got Pocono is a really unique track because it's built. Uh, against three other tracks, um, one uh, one track that's no longer even in existence anymore, 
you know, it, it's big. It can be flat in some areas. Um, the tunnel turn has always been an issue for, for drivers in the past because of um, the bumps that occur down there. So we see some incidents that do occur at that end of the track. Again, as I was talking earlier, at the start of some of these stages or at the end of cautions, a lot of these drivers try to dive down and turn one, two, three, four, you know, odd wide. And that has, you know, can can be calamity corner at some points in the race too, especially as we near, <clears throat> excuse me, either the end of the race or at the, the, the caution periods that go back to green. Overall, Pocono can be exciting in some degree, but it, it again, it goes back to my point from earlier where um, the longer the green flags go, the more these cars get spread out. And, you know, we, we it's not necessarily, you know, races for the lead. It's races for, you know, fifth place or tenth place or mid-pack and some of these other um you know, drivers that are closer together because clean air at a place like Pocono is, is key. And these cars seem to love clean air, and the more clean air you can get, the the farther out that you're just going to separate yourself from the field. To be honest with you, I don't know if this is a place that, you know, NASCAR could look at putting a restrictor plate on or something like that to bunch these cars back up. I'm, I'm not really in favor of putting restrictor plates on cars. At tracks other than Daytona or Talladega, and I know it was tried earlier this year in the the All-Star race, but um, to be honest, I I think it's worth a try at least at at Pocono um, because I think the fans that are coming out there and the fans that are watching at home, it's an enjoyable race, but I think that they could – you know, just try some different things in order to get these cars just a little bit closer together. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the workhorses that are out there on the track. And uh, really, you got to look at one of these five people who really just uh, are, are running away with it. And we got to start with, uh, uh, you know, Clint Boyer. I know that he uh, he wrecked out uh, last week in New Hampshire, but certainly got to be in the discussion as the top five drivers right now. Uh, in uh, in the in the in the chase, if you will, uh, and certainly uh, one of the drivers you got to look for to be a champion this year. Yeah, Clint Boyer has taken that number fourteen car and really done some spectacular things with it this year. Last year, being his first year at Stuart Haas Racing, nobody expected him to come in and set the world on fire by any means. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of learning curves, and, you know, they didn't have the best year in that number 14. Um, but this year, he's already done one, two events. Both of them, well, both of them were due to rain shortage, but they're wins nonetheless. And he's been competing up there in the top three, top five, even top ten on a regular basis. And we're seeing not only him, but the other Stuart Haas cars running very equal to one another this year. Um, and with Boyer, he, he's, he's put himself in the position up there that now he's locked in. Now he has some stage points, uh, I mean, some playoff points. And he shows that just the, even though that there are two races that he won under weather conditions, that those weren't just flukes. 
he's able to go back out there and back those wins up with fives and top tens almost on a weekly basis. And and he's fallen out of the top ten a couple of times uh, in these events. But, you know, he's not too far back. Aside from, you know, being knocked out of the race, he's never too far back or never far away from another contending car in the top three. I like teammate Kevin Harvick or Kyle Busch or, um, you know, in, in, in these events. So for him, it's good. It's good to see him be back on the top of uh, his game. And I think that that really shows over at Stuart Haas Racing that as an organization, that when they can get just not Kevin Harvick in victory lane every week, but they're getting Clint Boyer in victory lane at the same time, and he's running in the top ten and top fives on, on a pretty steady basis. But that, even though that Stuart Haas Racing was pretty much at the top of the food chain, when you think about it in a lot of ways, not all of their teams were racing equally, but now they're all racing equally with one another and with the rest of the field. So we're gonna. I'm gonna take these in kind of the lowest to the top order because I think everybody thinks Kevin Harvick is the the, the driver to beat. So let's talk a little bit about Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch, I, I rank as number four in the power rankings uh, uh, this week after New Hampshire. Kurt Busch has just had some struggles getting into victory lane this year. Um, it not that he isn't running well, and he won the Daytona 500 last year, but this year. Um, he's still searching for that victory lane win, and we're over halfway through the year. Um, he's not in any danger of not being in the playoffs here in six weeks or so. Um, he's got he he's, he can be up there, but if he's really going to solidify himself down the stretch through those ten events, he's either going to have to win a race now or he's going to have to win a race when they get into the chase very uh, or the playoffs very quickly um, because with everybody else and the points that they've stacked up upon, uh, upon themselves, um, he can find himself out of it um, just as quick as he got in it. Absolutely. Martin Truex Jr., obviously last year's champion, and certainly makes no bones about it that he's, he's after a, another championship here in 2018. Martin Truex Jr. Um, I I think he's good right now. He's got a lot of tough competition. The he he's got a lot of tough competition outside of the tracks that he's good at. He's good at these mile mile and a half race tracks, and we've got a lot of them coming up in the next you know sixteen weeks or so. Um, but for him, he's going to have to at some of these events. Start. He, 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 even though he's, I think he's running well. Um, he, he's gonna, he's gonna have a tough time when it comes to Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch. To be honest, um, they seem to be a little bit stronger at a variety of tracks where, um, he's those, that team has staked their existence on these mile, mile and a half race tracks, and they're they're performing well at other tracks, but they they're just at some at some extent they're not performing as well as you know the other top three that that are dominating pretty much this entire year absolutely well let's uh talk about the other bush uh kurt bush's brother and that's uh kyle bush kyle bush is right there hanging tight with kevin harvick 
I look for him to go back to victory lane pretty quickly in the next couple of weeks. Um, if if he doesn't go to victory lane at, at Bristol, which has been a place that he's dominated in the past, then I would say that Richmond, a couple weeks into the playoffs, is you're going to see him back in victory lane. Um, maybe Indy coming up. I think Indy is another place that he could potentially go to victory lane at, but uh, really, I, I think you know, looking forward, he's got at least two to three events right now between Bristol and Richmond that he'll be back in Victor Lane in no time. All right. Well, the elephant in the room, well, not really the elephant in the room, but certainly the fastest guy on the track and has uh, proven uh, that uh, not, uh, free, uh, free fast is freaky fast, and that's uh, Kevin Harvick. <laughs> Well, I don't know how you're going to stop him. It seems like every few weeks he's winning in and on a consistent basis. Six wins already this year. Um, For him and that team, I don't think there's really anything, honestly, they could do any different than what they're doing right now. Um, Let the chips fall where they may. They're way they're they've they've got enough points to carry them almost to Homestead at this point, um, provided that they don't win, you know, uh, another race or two between now and you know the cutoff there at Indianapolis. And if they do, I think they're just going to be a really tough team to to go out there because Harvick has won at Homestead before. Um, yeah, Truex has too, but it, it, it I, I think it just lessens the burden on that team because they're just so far out there that reeling them back in uh, is going to be a tough chore, and especially on the tear that they've been every few weeks or so um, back in victory lane, so... Yeah, for for them, they're they're just tough right there. They're they're a tough team right now to to try and do anything with. Everybody else really just needs to run their own team and let Kevin Harvick do Kevin Harvick things right now. All right. Well, who do we uh, got for a prediction for tomorrow at Pocono? Um, you know, I'm liking. You know, I'm, I'm going to say Ryan Blaney goes back to victory lane. He won there last year in the Wood Brothers number 21. Um, this year he's over at Penske Racing. He's been really, really close this year. Um, he was close back, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but that was rained out. So they um, they they were close enough that I feel that it had that race gone all the way through that they may have been the ones in victory lane. So I'm thinking tomorrow afternoon it will be Ryan Blaney. Uh, again, in victory lane at Pocono. All right, well, we'll see what happens. we got to get uh, going as we get ready for our NFL preview. Uh, any thoughts on your Redskins, sir? Um, don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen gonna with ha- them this year. Right, and not, until, not at least until at least Dan Snyder is out of the picture. Well, we'll get into the Redskins and other uh, teams on the NFL. Uh, Rick Riggins, our executive producer, standing by in the balanced green room. And 
Uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, is going to be joining us as well. Steve, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, forward Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. I got Brett <laughs> Winningham up there in Iowa this weekend, so um, you can follow all his work. All right, we got us a good race weekend uh, ahead, and uh, we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Networks. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Porklet, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. 
GEICO makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on GEICO.com or the GEICO mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. Thanks to Steve Wilson for joining us uh, in our NASCAR segment, talking with us a little bit about uh, NASCAR in Pocono and Iowa uh, this weekend as well. We broke down the uh, power drivers as well. But it's time to get into our 2018 NFL uh, preview. And to help us do that is our executive producer, Rick Riggin, and Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and official NFL contributor to The Balance. Good morning, Ed. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. I'm doing well. Appreciate you taking some time to join us. I know you're driving uh, a group of people to the beach. It's a rough job you got there. Rick Riggin, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> hey, not too bad this morning, Tom. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Never get it. It is back in play. Ish. <laughs> so uh, certainly all the campus folks, we're going to kind of uh, go through this over the next hour. Uh, I know Mo's going to be joining us here uh, in about a half hour, and I don't know how long Ed can stay on, so uh, whatever. But so we're going to break down as many teams as we can break down in the next uh, hour or, or so. So uh, NFL preview, let's get started on it as we've got a lot uh, to cover. So we'll start in your home background uh, there, Ed, so we make sure that we get them in. The Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, break camp. Give us a look into camp. What's going on over there uh, with the Eagles? Super Bowl reigning yeah, well, Super Bowl they, champions, Eagles, that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it still sounds a little odd to, to say that. But, um, yeah, they, they uh, opened camp a little later than I think a lot of teams did. They didn't open camp until Thursday was their first practice. They reported on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, they're kind of just firing up. Uh, the training camp. In fact, today they put pads on for the first time. Uh, they're practicing right now uh, in full pads. Um, of course, the big question with the Eagles is Will Carson Wentz start the season opener, which comes up in uh, about five weeks against the Atlanta Falcons in a kind of a rematch of that uh, divisional round playoff game that the Eagles hung on to win 15 to 10. Uh, but the question is, will Wentz be ready? Uh, he looks terrific. He was cleared the day before camp to participate in 11-on-11 drills, which was a change from the spring where he just did uh, 7-on-7 work, you know, in the OTAs and then the the mini camp. But uh, he's allowed now to participate in 11-on-11. His next step would be cleared for contact. That step has not happened yet. There's no timeline on when that will happen. So, really, that's kind of what everybody's looking at. Uh, And it was interesting in the first day of practice, during one of the practices, you know, he's got a lot of rush around him now on those 11-on-11, so uh, that's a little different than 7-on-7s. You don't really have a pass rush, but, you know, in those 11-on-11 drills, you have a pass rush. There was a lot of traffic around him on some of his throws, and he looked very comfortable. Uh, In fact, after he delivered one pass, a a rookie defensive end, Josh Sweat, from the University of Florida, gave him kind of a little bump after he uh, threw the ball and knocked Wentz off balance, uh, but he was fine. But you wonder if, you know, maybe the coaching staff didn't pull the rookie away and say, look, He's our meal ticket. You stay away from him. Uh, he's not allowed contact. But 
but that's kind of where the Eagles are right now. Um, you know, and that's it. Wentz, how, you know, how is he going to be uh, in a couple weeks? Will he play in any preseason games? Of course, they have Nick Foles if Wentz isn't ready. Rick, go ahead. Uh, fire away, sir. Well, well, if you're going to ask me about the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, you got to have crats on. So I don't know what you're coming to me for on the on the Eagles. <laughs> I, I, I'm coming to you, I'm, I'm coming to you because you're the you're the next guy in line. We want to keep you in the conversation. You can ask Rick anything about the Eagles. If you don't have any questions about it, just say pass. No, I'm just kidding with you, buddy. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would say. Uh, I would say in the NFC at least, I, I feel it's a two to three horse race now because what the Rams are building, uh, you know, out in LA, and then I do think that at, at Atlanta, the second season under uh, Steve Sarkeesian, mm-hmm. the offense going to get it rolling again. So I think it's a three horse race in the, in the uh, NFC this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, well, the Rams. Rams are getting Rams are getting a lot of love. There's no doubt about it. You know, they're they're handing out money hand over fist out there. They signed Gurley. Um, you know, they signed. Uh, Cooks, Brandon Cooks, the receiver, but you know, here's Aaron Donald, who still isn't getting paid and still hasn't shown up in camp. You know, arguably the best defensive lineman uh, in the NFL, and uh, he's not happy with his contract. So you know, you wonder about that. Will that affect the team in any shape or form early on uh, if they don't get a deal done with Aaron Donald? Um, so yeah, the Rams are doing a lot of good things. We'll see if Goff can continue to take that next step under McVay. They certainly added a lot in the off season and. Uh, they're getting a lot of love for a lot of reasons, you know, a lot of reasons. And then you mentioned the Falcons, Rick, and, uh, you know, there was the talk that Julio Jones might uh, not report to camp because he wasn't happy with his contract. But, uh, you know, he showed up. They got a deal done, I guess. And uh, everybody's happy in Atlanta. So the Falcons, you know, remember, they were the NFC representative two years ago. So, you know, there's no reason why they can't challenge to be uh, a Super Bowl contender again this year. Uh, Ed, uh, staying on the Eagles real quickly before we move on to the next team, I wanted to get your thoughts on on uh, your wide receiver there, Nelson Algar. Algar, if I'm saying that name right, he had a breakout <laughs> year. Uh, 2015, you, you know, certainly was uh, the year you brought him in the fold. He's not quite made the leap. Is 2018 the year that he gets to the Pro Bowl? Well, that's a good question. They picked up their fifth-year option, the, the rookie option on him. You know, he was the leading receiver in terms of catches in the Super Bowl. We caught nine uh, nine passes. Uh, so, you know, he had that breakout year last year. He had two very disappointing years after being the number one pick out of USC in 2015. But when you look at, uh, you know, when you look at the coaching staff he had, he was under Chip Kelly to start, then he, Doug Peterson came in. But last year it was his third different wide receiver coach in three years in the league. So there's some stability at that, uh, you know, with Doug Peterson being the head coach now. Uh, I think, yeah, he could be a Pro Bowl guy. I just think that the Eagles, the way they operate this offense, though, they like to spread the ball around. There's no one go-to guy. So to to expect him to have the kind of numbers that will dictate him landing in the Pro Bowl, I think, are a little far-fetched. I think he'll have another great year, another terrific season. But I also think that the way the Eagles' offense is predicated, there's not one guy that's going to stand out with 1,000 yards. You might have a 1,000-yard receiver. I'd be surprised because you have Zach Ertz. You have this rookie they drafted, Dallas Goddard, at tight end out of uh, South Dakota State, who they love, who has looked good in camp. They have Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, you know, they have Mike Wallace now, who they upgraded from Torrey Smith with. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of weapons on that offensive side of the ball, and I don't think Aguilar will get enough uh, yards and, and catches to warrant a Pro Bowl spot. But that doesn't mean he won't have a great year. 
We're talking with Ed Kratz, our official uh, contributor uh, to the uh, Balanced NFL contributor and beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles USA Today, executive producer Rick Riggin. Hey, Rick, you and I can do a selfless promotion here real quick. Uh, The Balance is bringing back Breaking Rank. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with that, sir. Breaking Rank, August 22nd. That's a Wednesday night, two weeks before the uh, opening day of college football season. We break down the top 25 of college football we really uh, dive into the rankings there. Who's deserving? Who really isn't? We don't do it in the you know, you know the mothership way the way ESPN does it, where they just love everybody. Uh, little feel a team is deserving of a rank. Uh, we're we're going to talk about it and tell you the reason why. So, breaking rank August twenty second Wednesday night. So the elite college football teams, right? <laughs> yeah, we're not going to bring up I. We're not going to bring well, I. Kind of there. It'll be top twenty five. We're not going to bring up Rutgers and Kansas. Like you did last week, you know, and, and trying to break down, you know, you know Rutgers football or something. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, they're a big kid. We had to give them some love. All right, guys, get into the Colts. Obviously, that's right here in our backyard. Uh, Colts uh, broke camp this week up in the north suburbs of Indianapolis, uh, their brand-new spot up there at Grant Park. Uh, they kind of made the decision to uh, break away from Anderson University. Uh, as you know, in the past, they had been out at Rolls-Holman, uh, but they are up in the north suburbs of Westfield at Grant Park. Beautiful facility, a lot of uh, uh, activities for fans, the fan zones out there, uh, certainly a lot of interactions. There's autograph sessions, so I encourage you to go out there. They've got a night practice uh, this Sunday night, and I think next week is when they have the joint practice with the Baltimore Ravens, so that'll be very interesting. But let's kind of talk about the elephant in the room, if you will, guys. Andrew Luck is throwing a football, is throwing a real football. Although he did throw an interception in practice this week, so uh, I guess it's going to be a terrible season for the Colts. I'm, I'm making a joke there because, uh, Rick, we'll, we'll go to you first because you had a hot take on Andrew Luck, and we'll go with that, and then we'll get uh, thoughts from uh, Ed, and we'll talk a little bit about the running backs before we go on uh, to your Detroit Lions. Go ahead, Rick. All right, so, you know, Andrew's throwing a football, and, you know, he's got everybody convinced he's back be full speed this year and I just want to know uh, really what's 100% for him now because his 100% two or three years ago and now having a surgery like he did now you got a whole new new different 100% and you play completely different. It's that on top of I am not convinced in any way shape or form that he's going to put in a full season. I think he's going to give the Colts about seven or eight games Another injury is going to happen because that's what happens there. At any, I know they got Quentin Nelson to help with the line some. I, I just think that Andrew Luck is a little bit of a porcelain doll here, and I don't think he's going to put in a full season. So I, I am still convinced that Andrew Luck is a bust. That is my hot take. I don't think he's going to put in a full season this year. So, uh, Ed, what are your thoughts, thoughts on that? Wow. Well, um <laughs> The Colts better hope he can give them more than seven or eight games if they want to have any kind of success in, in, a, in a division, which I, we've talked about, I think is one of the stronger ones in the NFL now, the, uh, the AFC South. So, uh, you know, that's going to be a tough division, and they need Andrew Luck to stay healthy. I mean, he, you're, you might be right, Rick. Maybe he is just going to wash out of this league. Uh, you know, it's a pretty serious injury he had. And, um, you know, I think I saw a report that said that he wasn't feeling as much pain in his shoulder, which indicates that he might still be feeling pain, but it's not as significant. So, you know, who the heck knows until 
uh, you know, we get a little deeper into camp here and maybe see him participate in the preseason, whether or not he can uh, go out there and throw 30 to 40 passes in a game and then come out of it and have the shoulder feel okay. You're right. I, I wonder if he can do that uh, anymore at this point. But, you know, we're going to find out sooner, sooner rather than later right now. Well, certainly I think uh, Frank Reich has won over the press here. I think I've mentioned it before. Uh, he's a great fit for the Colts. He seems to be an honest, transparent guy. And if we're to go with his pressers, here's his, his plan. We've got a plan in, in place. We're going to utilize luck the best that we can. Uh, we have a plan in place if things do, doesn't happen the way we want it to plan. We will, we will adjust our plan accordingly. Now, I know a lot of that might be lip service, but, you know, he is throwing – uh, he'll have he'll have a uh, regular veteran uh, which will break uh, Reich said going into uh, Seattle for the preseason the, the I mean the Seattle Seahawks preseason game they expect him to play at least a series if we it, uh, or, or maybe a little bit more than one series but not much more than that and then certainly as we get into uh, further down to the preseason games they'll carry him on into the second half. Uh, they certainly do believe that he will do well uh, and that they, it's a slow process. It's a process. Uh, I am going to go on the fence here of believing that until he's hurt and somebody can come back to me and say, see, I told you so, I'm, gonna go, I'm just going to believe positive thoughts and send positive karma uh, to Andrew Luck that he makes it 16 games. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll go with that. So we'll talk a little bit about the running backs. So certainly uh, – there's a, th- a theory going that Frank Reich and Ballard is going to have a running back by committee uh, type scenario, which is different than what the Colts have done in the past. Uh, but I think it's a well-needed uh, type of approach and different uh, type of approach. Let's talk a little bit about the defense as well. And Frank Reich seems to be very, very confident uh, in his defense as well. So we'll, we'll go to you, Ed, and then back to you, Rick, and then we'll go on to the Lions. But, uh, Ed, uh, Frank Reich, I think he's a great guy. I think that he's he's uh, knows what he's doing. Talk with us a little bit about his thoughts on a running back by committee approach, which is a little bit different. And certainly, he has a lot of confidence in the in the defensive line uh, with the Indianapolis Colts going into 2018. Yeah, well, if you have the running backs that you feel that are you know are NFL caliber running backs, then it makes sense to have the running back by committee. You know, that that's the approach the Eagles had when they won the Super Bowl and. Of course, that's where Reich came from. Um, you know, they had LeGarrette Blunt, they had Corey Clement, they had Jay Ajayi, uh, you know, Wendell Smallwood. I mean, they just ran guys out there. Uh, again, guys that aren't putting up 1,000-yard seasons, but you don't need them to if you're spreading the ball around to three or four different running backs and they're getting 500, 600 yards in a season. So, you know, I like that approach. I like how it keeps guys fresh, especially as a game wears on now. You know, running backs may may not be so enamored with it. I know Jay Ajayi's not too in love with that running back by committee approach. These running backs, a lot of them feel like the more touches they get in the game, the better they are uh, as the game goes on. It lets them get into a flow. But, uh, you know, the Eagles won with that approach last year, so it's hard to argue that it won't work. And the Colts upgraded their offensive line. So, uh, you know, maybe you have the horses up front that will open some holes. And, you know, when you run the ball, when you say running back by committee, you need to have positive yards. You can't be facing second and 12 after you lose two yards on a running play uh, more often than not. So, you know, you hope that the, the, the readdressed offensive line is, is up to it and open up some holes. Uh, and then, you know, the defensive line, you know, the teams, 
build on those lines. It's successful teams build on both sides of the ball. Andy Reid used that approach for years uh, in Philadelphia and continues to use it in Kansas City. You have to be strong on both sides of the line, offensive and defensive line. And I think that's the approach Frank Reich is taking, and I think it's the right approach. Rick, uh, do you have any uh, uh, final thoughts on the Colts? Yeah, I just agree with Ed about the uh, running back by committee uh, thing. I used to be one of the guys that was just sick with one running back, and, and then there you go, kind of the uh, traditional way of doing it. But, you know, I'm switched on that because then your offense gets predictable, I feel, in a way. If you can run different guys out there that are great at pass catching and blocking and, and, and different things, you can do a lot of different things with the offense. I just compared it to the way Notre Dame was last year with Josh Adams, even though they had a running back committee thing too, but it was Josh, Josh Adams 75% of the time. Well, Josh Adams is pretty yeah, – Ed knows Josh Adams now. He, he's a big running back, and you knew what you was going to get with Josh Adams. He's a straight downhill runner, and it got predictable over time. So if they're able to run different backs out there, different skill sets, it makes the offense much more uh, unpredictable. Well, guys, let's move on to the uh, Detroit Lions. Uh, that way we've got all three of our teams covered before we get into the other teams uh, because there are other teams in the NFL to talk about. We'll start with you, Rick. Uh, your Detroit Lions obviously uh, uh, looking for a lot from uh, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones uh, uh, this season, uh, looking for a turnaround uh, season, a season that uh, has a lot of high expectations. Uh, talk with us about your Detroit Lions, Rick Riggin. Well, it's really the uh, the, the uh, division they're in, too. Now, Minnesota added Kirk Cousins, and they're going to be really good again. Of course, Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers, and now the Bears are probably stepping up in, in, uh, in wins this year, too. So, it's uh, the black and blue division is tough once again. Lions are rolling in. Matt Patricia, uh, new head coach, even though he says all the right things in the press conferences, you just don't know how all that stuff translates on the field until they start playing uh, they had this whole issue with Ziggy Ansah now that didn't. They just franchise tagged him or whatever it was for just one more year. So he, this is probably his last year in, in Detroit, which I think is terrible because I love Ziggy. I think he's he's one of the best defensive ends in, in football. And uh, so we're going to see how this uh, how he, this translates with Matt bringing in Matt Patricia, his defensive minded head coach, uh, with the Lions offense. They have a great receiving core, of course Stafford, and. Uh, quarterback, like I said, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, they have Galladay's uh, coming into his second season. So they may really need to bring in a good tight end. I think that's where they've been missing and bring in a running back and we could finally get a, a 100-yard rusher in a season because I think 2013 or something like that is the last time the Lions have had a 100-yard rusher. So we're going to see how all this stuff with uh, Matt Patricia translates onto the field. So I'm just looking forward to that. Cautiously optimistic. Uh, uh, we're going to get right back to Ed here in just a second. Ed is uh, joining us, our official NFL contributor. But joining us now, uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, happy Saturday to you. Thank you. Mo, uh, this is our official 2018 NFL preview. I appreciate you jumping on with Ed and I. Uh, we've already talked about the Colts, uh, the Lions, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Feel free to chime in on thoughts on that. Uh, and uh, we'll go back to Ed after you. But go right ahead, sir. Well, I think when you look at the Lions, the one thing they've lacked, uh, you know, honestly, since Barry Sanders is a good running game, we've seen the numbers that Matt Stafford has put up uh, with, with lack at times of an offensive line, but lack of a running game. And I, I think with a, a decent uh, run game uh, where their offense isn't so predictable, I, I think that you could see Matthew Stafford really 
uh, take a step to that uh, that upper echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL. A, a good running game helps any quarterback, but it helps a good quarterback become a great quarterback. So I, I think that's one thing that uh, if I had to put my finger on one thing that the Detroit Lions need desperately is a good running game. Uh, you know, for the Colts, obviously, we're going to see what Andrew Luck can do this year. Uh, you know, I heard you guys talking about running back by committee, and it's hard to say that that doesn't work. We saw it work with the Giants, and they won Super Bowls. We saw it work with the Patriots, and they won Super Bowls. We saw it work with the Eagles, and they won a Super Bowl. So uh, running back by committee, I, I don't think it's a terrible thing at all. It's, just, it, it's all going to key, I think, uh, like Ed said, on this offensive and defensive line for the Colts this year. Can the offensive line open up holes for a running back? And so the Colts aren't sitting at second and 12, second and 14. And can they protect Andrew Luck? And, and can the defensive line stop a running game and, and get to the quarterback? It's one thing they've lacked since uh, you know, the departure of Robert Mathis and or Dwight Greeny. So, uh, you know, I think for the Colts, it's going to key on, on those uh, two big areas this year, other than Andrew Luck, is the offensive and defensive line. And for the Eagles, man, it's, uh, it's, it's let the train keep on rolling. You know, obviously when you win a Super Bowl, you, you lose some guys and then some guys go away because they take big money offers, and, and that's great. But the, the Eagles have done a great job of keeping their team uh, pretty much intact. And, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to have another tremendous year. I look forward to uh, big things from the Eagles. Uh, Ed Kratz uh, joins us also, our official uh, NFL contributor, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, guys. Appreciate you joining us for the 2018 preview. We're going to try to get through some of these teams. Uh, Mo, I know you're up in bear country, so we'll get to them in just a second. But I did want to talk about the other devil, uh, if you will, (laughs) of the two-headed snake, if you will, and that's the New England Patriots. Uh, Ugly, ugly monsters, New England Patriots, and ugly, ugly Bill Belichick doing his typical stuff with the press uh, this this week. I don't know which is uh, more, which hates the press more, Bill Belichick or Donald Trump, uh, but it would be a close second. Uh, but uh, certainly, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the press conference from camp this week with uh, Bill Belichick, uh, Ed, but uh, basically uh, he, the questions kept, questions kept asking about uh, prior seasons and last year and why um, – Oh, I'm sorry. Help me with the guy that did not start at the Super Bowl. I can't remember his name. I got a brain fart. Malcolm uh, Butler. Malcolm Butler, Butler. Yeah, and why? Yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm Butler. Butler why? I'm sorry. Yeah, why they why they didn't start him? And and his answer was, that season is over. We're moving on to 2018. He asked the same question a different way. He goes, let me tell you this. 2000, 2001, two, and he counted all the way down to 2017. Seasons are over. We are going into 2018. Bill Belichick off to his normal self, but let's uh, get a look at Tom Brady, uh, which, by the way, if you saw the Instagram picture, uh, looks like he's starting to support a little dad, but I don't know. But uh, maybe uh, (laughs) – did you guys see that Instagram picture of uh, him without a shirt at at the beach? I did not. I've only heard about it. (laughs) Hey, I I tell you what – he looks better without a shirt than I do. So that, there you go. That's the, my one prop for, for Tom Brady. Ed Kratz, uh, the New England Patriots, what say you? Well, um, you know, listen, I, I like – I don't like the way Belichick said it, but he's right. You know, let's not look back at 2017. It's time to focus on 2018. You know, uh, the Eagles are still getting questions about winning the Super Bowl, and, uh, you know, they're still entertaining them, but – you know, that's kind of a concern to me is that, you know, look, let's just start looking at 2018 and, you know, forget about 2017. So I agree kind of with, you know, the thought process on it, but I didn't see the, uh, the, the presser, but I guess, like you said, if you count it all the way up from 2001 up to 
2018. I mean, that's a little overboard. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, listen, the Patriots are, again, a team that you're going to have to slay them if you want to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, they're they're uh, not going to go anywhere. I, You know, they might take a step back this year, but, I, you know, I'm not so sure. I don't know which teams in, the, in that AFC are going to rise up. It could be the Texans. The Jags, of course, are, are a team that uh, is getting a lot of love. But, uh, you know, it's hard to discount what Belichick's done and what he continues to do. It's just the way he goes about doing it sometimes. You know, rubs me and a lot of others the wrong way, obviously. Mo, what are your thoughts on the New England Patriots 2018? Always a thorn in the side for the Colts as well. Well, it feels like we have the same conversation every year at the beginning of the season. We see guys go away. We wonder how the Patriots are going to hold it all together. We talk about Tom Brady being a year older. We talk about chinks in the armor of the Patriots. And then every year they just come out and do what they do and seems to wind up in the Super Bowl again. So, I mean, we can look at at key losses, but, you know, uh, Bill Belichick seems to continue that train rolling uh, every single year. So, I mean, I look for another great year from the New England Patriots. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Butler uh, has moved on. He's moved on to Tennessee, which is obviously in in our division. Rick, any thoughts on the New England Patriots? Yeah, with the other guys, too. We keep talking about, you know, now with Jacksonville's uh, really good. We keep putting some of our money in on, on Pittsburgh being there every year. And then the last couple of years, they seem to lay an egg in the playoffs, and then it's the Patriots being in the Super Bowl. So uh, it, I, I, I kind of see this year being the exact same way. I hate to say it because I'm just tired of seeing New England, just like Alabama and college football. But whatever they do up there, they I don't know if it's cheating still or what the new scandal might come out to be. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I think New England's probably going to be there again in, in the AFC. Well, guys, believe it or not, there's going to be a real-life bonafide football game, Hall of Fame game, up in Canton on August 2nd. Uh, so, uh, Mo, you're in Bear Country. Uh, talk with us a little bit about the, the Chicago Bears. I know you cover them a lot. You're in their market. Uh, so talk with us a little bit about uh, the 2018 Chicago Bears and the Hall of Fame game that means nothing but is fun to watch. Go right ahead, Mo. Well, I'm actually in, in Chicago today, getting ready to head over to the airport here in a couple of minutes. But, uh, uh, yeah, you know, the, the Bears look to take another step forward. Another year with uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, the Bears did a good job in the offseason adding some pieces. The one place they've really suffered is wide receiver and keeping those guys healthy. Uh, you know, the Bears have, uh, uh, you know, a decent defense to build on from last year. So I think that uh, if you look going uh, forward, uh, you know, people look for the Bears to take a step forward. I don't know that it's a playoff step this year, but, You've got a couple of decent running backs. You've got a decent offensive line. You've got a quarterback who's still learning. So I look for the Bears to take a step forward, probably just outside of the playoffs this year. But uh, the Bears look like they're moving in the right direction. All right. So we'll kind of go around the horn here. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Ed, and let's get the thoughts on the Hall of Fame game, the Bears and the Ravens. And then what we'll do here is to kind of, in essence of time, we'll just kind of go through the divisions and talk about the teams in the division as opposed to breaking down each individual team. Because that, as much as we like doing that, it just takes up a lot of our time. So just want to make sure that we get everybody in this preview uh, because since we are all over the nation, we have a lot of uh, fans that are represented uh, in, in the NFL. So we'll start with uh, you, Ed, the Hall of Fame game, August 2nd, the Chicago Bears and the Baltimore Ravens up in Canton, Ohio. Yeah, like you said, I mean, just really kind of a JV game, not a JV game, but just a, uh, you know, it's going to be a sloppy game. You're not going to see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, outstanding play. I wouldn't imagine teams have only been in camp. I think Chicago and Baltimore opened camp 
you know, maybe not even two weeks before this game's going to take place. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great that football's back and it'll be fun to see and watch, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect anything you'd want to put in a time capsule and, and lock it away. Uh, although I am lo- looking forward to seeing Trubisky develop this year. I know I've read some reports that, you know, they, he could possibly take that kind of second year step that Carson Wentz took from his rookie year. Uh, you know, we saw Wentz go seven and nine as a rookie and then came back last year and, uh, put this team in position to have home field through the playoffs before he got hurt. And I think a lot of people are thinking Trubisky could take that kind of leap. And if he does, then, you know, maybe the bears are a playoff team. Uh, you know, it is a very difficult division, but that doesn't mean the bears can't take, you know, make some noise in it. You know, especially if Trubisky takes the leap that I've read a lot of people are kind of expecting from him. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on the Canton game? Yeah, one thing with the Bears, I'm just with Mo and Ed on the game itself. It's just I think we're, as a country, we're so football-starved. That's what makes the Hall of Fame game so fun to watch. I usually watch about two or three quarters of it anyway. But uh, I think with the Bears, they've brought in a bunch of these spread offense college coaches. So I'm just wondering what they're going to do with the offense up in Chicago. They're really going to open it up. If that fits Trubisky uh, better. And then uh, maybe we'll get a glimpse of Lamar Jackson. Not sure, you know, for Baltimore if we'll see him in this Hall of Fame game. But I'm looking forward to uh, maybe at some point down the road the Ravens are going to kind of tailor him towards uh, handing him the keys to that, that offense. Uh, Ricky cut out right there at the, uh, the tail end, or I had a delay in my ears. I apologize. Uh, so, guys, let's cut the go around uh, the, the, the divisions, if we will. We'll start with you, Ed. In the South, uh, kind of the teams to look for and look at in the South are the Saints, the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Bucks. And I think one of the key games that a lot of people are looking at uh, for the NFC South is uh, Thanksgiving night, and that's the Falcons uh, versus the Saints. What are your thoughts on the NFC South? Yeah, well, you know, the Saints were the, uh, the what is it, Minneapolis miracle away from uh, playing, uh, you know, moving on in the playoffs and, and maybe uh, coming to Philadelphia. Uh, you know, so I think the Saints are very good. You know, Drew Brees, another year older, uh, doesn't look like he's kind of missed a step. Uh, I know they took some heat for drafting the defensive end, trading up the draft at defensive end, uh, you know, at 15, I think, overall to kind of help with the pass rush. But, you know, I think the Saints are a pretty complete team. Uh, I really like them. Uh, you know, the Bucks. I like their defense. But, you know, Jameis Winston being suspended for three games, uh, that hurts. Uh, and then the Panthers, you know, they, they certainly uh, are a team to be reckoned with, too. Um, so I wouldn't discount them. And then the Falcons were in the Super Bowl two years ago. So, yeah, that's a very tough conference. Uh, but I like the Saints, I think, to kind of emerge uh, as the champions of that conference. But I think a wild card will come from that division as well. Um, Rick, uh, the NFC South, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Falcons in that division just because two years ago and now they got Steve Sarkeesian coming in for a second season at the offensive coordinator. Maybe they can open things up a little more. Uh, but the Saints, uh, I, I like the turnaround they did, and we talked about the running backs earlier and how important they really are to the team. Uh, we saw what uh, the Saints picking up tomorrow in the third round, how that turned that team around. Uh, that was a great pickup, and uh, so that made them right there. Uh, and their defense really turned around last year. So I, I say the Falcons, and I'll, I'll stay with that, saying the wild card would come from that division, and I think the wild card would be the Saints. Mo, the NFC South, what say you, sir? 
Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm going with the uh, Saints as well. I mean, you know, when you add a, a tremendous running game to what Drew Brees does on, on a yearly basis, uh, you know, it, it makes it damn near unstoppable. Uh, then you add in the fact that the Saints improved their defense, uh, you know, and got rid of some guys that maybe have been high-profile guys, but uh, they got rid of some guys last year that maybe they didn't uh, see a future with and were able to uh, build that team uh, around a bunch of uh, some young guys and, uh, they really stepped up. I, I like the uh, the Saints win division, and, and like uh, everybody else, I, I think the wild cards come from there as well, but it's going to be a very tough division. Well, guys, let's uh, move on to the NFC uh, North. Uh, certainly the Vikings, the Vikings, the Lions, the Packers, and the Bears. We've talked about the Lions and the Packers. I mean, the Lions and the Bears. Real quickly, we'll start with you, Ed. Uh, certainly, uh, this is obviously uh, – Aaron Rodgers' league, if you will. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has uh, had some uh, injuries uh, to deal with, but he's back. But I wanted to take a moment also, if we could, to talk a little bit about uh, the offensive line coach from Minnesota that died here recently uh, last week, Tony Soprano. Um, certainly uh, very well known, very well respected. I think a lot of people mourned his loss. Uh, Ed, have you heard any more about how he died? Was it a was it, was it Expected? Was it unexpected? Oh, do you know any more? The last I heard is that they really didn't know how he died. He just uh, was complaining uh, uh, of not feeling well, went to the hospital, and, and died. So our thoughts go out to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, obviously, the the loss of uh, offensive line coach uh, Tony Soprano. So, what are your thoughts on that division, and it's certainly uh, the passing of Tony Soprano, Ed? Yeah, uh, Tony Soprano, I believe they said he had a heart attack is what, what killed him. Or, is yeah, that what it was? Uh, okay. Kind of heart, heart failure. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is he was having some chest pains and some, you know, some symptoms of one heading into the weekend. I believe it was Thursday or Friday, and he went into the hospital, and uh, they checked him out, and they let him go. And, and you know, a few days later, he died. So, uh, you know, I guess that's just – you know, I don't know who's at fault, but nobody's at fault, I guess. It's just one of those things that happened. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't know Tony. I never had any dealings with him. But, you know, all accounts was he was a good guy. And, uh, you know, it's always a shame to lose somebody. And, you know, that affects the Vikings, obviously. And, uh, you know, that gives them even more motivation maybe to, to play the season out for him, uh, you know, losing their line coach, uh, you know, on the eve of training camp. So, uh, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. But, you know, I, I think the Vikings are – uh, uh, going to be a very good team. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I'll be interested to see how, uh, you know, he returns from that ACL. I think it was an ACL last year that cost him his rookie year early. Uh, you know, they'll have a pretty improved running game to go along with Kirk Cousins, the, the big free agent signing. And, uh, you know, I think it was Mo who mentioned that the you know, quarterbacks are helped by the running game, and that's certainly true. But, uh, you know, I don't know who's running the ball in Green Bay. Uh, you know, so is Aaron Rodgers going to get the help he needs there? They spent a lot on their defense, brought in a new D coordinator, drafted a couple cornerbacks. The defense has kind of been the Achilles heel. We'll see if that's been addressed. I'm not sure it has. And uh, one last thing on the Lions, I'll go back to what Rick said. And, uh, I, I'm going to make a prediction right now that LeGarrette Blunt's going to break that streak of non-100-yard rushers for the Detroit Lions. Duly noted. <laughs> Rick, go ahead. What are your thoughts? Yeah, also, yeah, there's another streak with LeGarrette Brunt, Blunt. Yeah, two years ago, played for the Patriots. They won the Super Bowl last year. He played for the Eagles, Super Bowl. Yep. This year, he plays with the Lions. So, hopefully, that streak continues, too, Super Bowl. But uh, I just think it's going to be a uh, Minnesota and Green Bay division. I just don't – with the new coaching change and uh, you know, all that all that goes with, I just don't think the Lions are going to be there this year. Maybe around a 500 team is probably where I'm going to put them. 
Mo, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to go a little bit uh, in the opposite direction. I think Minnesota wins the division, but I think you see Green Bay take a step back. The most interesting thing to me uh, at this point is, you know, we've seen for years where we felt like there was a struggle between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. It feels like the, the things are bubbling between the front office the coaching staff and Aaron Rodgers. And to me, I think that's going to be the storyline in this division all year long is going to be the, the, uh, the feelings that Aaron Rodgers, the bad feelings that Aaron Rodgers has, it seems like towards the front office and towards uh, the coaching staff, uh, you know, let some of his guys go that he really liked, then consult with him on certain other things. And, and it seems to me like, uh, you know, there are, there are some very ill feelings. And, and when you get into a standoff like that with a guy who's a franchise quarterback and one of the faces of the NFL, you know, who's going to blink first in this game of chicken. So to me, the most interesting storyline this year in that division is going to be uh, Aaron Rodgers and the uh, the front office and coaching staff of Green Bay. Mo, let's uh, start with you on this one. The NFC West, the bear has been poked. You've got the Rams, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the new porn capital of the world, San Francisco and, and Jimmy Garoppolo. No, no more. Uh, or, uh, uh, what was the, what was the one that you said? Uh, ba- uh, uh, banging the babysitter or something? I don't know, but it was hilarious. Uh, but uh, Jimmy Garoppolo said it was a good learning lesson. I'm sure it was. Uh, and uh, maybe next time, uh, keep your uh, milf at home. But uh, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, uh, Mo and the 49ers. I think a lot of people are looking at that key game. Uh, the Rams at the 49ers, uh, uh, week seven on Sunday night football. What say you? Well, I mean, does Jimmy Garoppolo keep the uh, magic going in the, in the limited time we saw him last year, Jimmy Garoppolo was very good and, and definitely helped the Colts out by winning games at the end of the year for the 49ers. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch, uh, how he progresses after uh, training camp and another uh, year with the, the 49ers. Uh, I mean, to me, the Rams, uh, they've gone for broke. They, they made a lot of moves, bringing in some big name talents, uh, in the off season, you've got uh, another year with this coaching staff and, and this young quarterback. Uh, but it seems like, you know, it's either going to be a, a tremendous year for the Rams or it's going to be a huge disaster because there are definitely some combustible elements in that locker room. Uh, but uh, if they can harness it all together, uh, they could be a team that's unstoppable. Rick, what are your thoughts on the NFC yeah, West? The, at that division is the Rams and 49ers. I think Seattle's taking a step back, and I think the Cardinals have some just retooling and, and it's more building to do there to be back up on that level the Rams. And it looks like the way the Niners are playing now with Garoppolo. Uh, I just think it's a two-horse race. I think they actually the, the Rams, uh, I, I, agree, I agree with Mo. There's a lot of different pieces, a lot of things that contain within that locker room, but I do think they keep it together. And that's a, that's a talented football team. So I, I got, you know, them as one of my three-horse three, three race teams coming out of the NFC to the Rams or the Eagles or the Falcons. And I, I just think uh, I think it's the Rams division. But the way Garoppolo and the 49ers places he's been there, I think it's a two-horse race for that division. So, uh, Ed, uh, thoughts on the NFC West? And you weren't able to chime in on Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, – his uh, porn date uh, in Beverly Hills, so feel free to go ahead and, and do that. Since we're talking about two horses, uh, maybe he's the stud in the game. I don't know. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, you know, well, kudos to Jimmy G, man. I, you know, I, what, what a great catch, huh? Uh, you know, I, I give him big props for that. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know what? I like the 49ers in this division. I, I do. I you know, they really took a step back with Chip Kelly for the one year, but I like what they've done on defense. And, 
you know, bringing Jimmy Garoppolo in, you know, look, he's 5-0 and as a starter. He's not going to go undefeated. He's going to lose some games. but uh, And then we'll see how he, you know, kind of manages to bounce back from that. But I, I like the 49ers. I, I just don't think they're quite ready uh, to make that step into playoff contention yet. Uh, you know, good point from Mo about the combustibility components in the in Rams locker room. You know, Aaron Donald hasn't gotten a new contract. You know, he's not going to be happy. Uh, but I just think they're too good. They have too much talent on that roster uh, to not win that division. And then, like we said, the Cardinals, they just look like a train wreck. And, you know, they have some front office problems with their general manager uh, being suspended for a DUI. And, uh, and, and the Seahawks, you know, everybody kind of overlooks them a little bit. But, you know, I think the Seahawks kind of shines off them. That defense is uh, undergoing a rebuild, and I'm not really sold on that offensive line for Russell Wilson. That, that team to me looks just like Russell Wilson, kind of like Randall Cunningham when he played for the Eagles. Just go out and make a play and win us the game. That was kind of Buddy Ryan's approach when Randall played in Philadelphia at quarterback, and that seems to be what the Seahawks' approach is, is just go out and make a play and win us the game. And, you know, it's hard to do that as a quarterback week in and week out. So uh, I want to make sure we get to our two divisions uh, respectively uh, before we get on to the other ones just to make, for time's sake. So we'll start with you, Ed, the NFC East, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Redskins, the Giants. Obviously consider this uh, the NFC uh, East, the rich man's AFC East, if you will. And I think there's a lot of star power uh, in this division. I think a lot of people are going to be looking at that Cowboys at the Eagles game uh, week 10 on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, I think this is where your second wild card comes. I think it comes out of this division. Um, you, you know, we mentioned, the, the, you know, the Eagles already. And, you know, the Giants are getting a lot of love. There's a lot of love about the Giants. They, uh, I like their coach, Pat Shermer. Again, he spent some time in Philadelphia, got to know Pat. Uh, you know, I, I, I like Pat. I think he's a good coach. Uh, a little, little soft-spoken at times, but um, – I think they'll do a good job. I like what they've done with their offensive line, drafting the, that Hernandez kid to play guard. They signed Nate Solder from the uh, Patriots. They've upgraded that offensive line. I love Saquon Barkley. I think he has the ability to make be a difference maker. Certainly uh, the front runner, I think, for the uh, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, and then you see what Eli has left. Um, you know, it's all going to come down to him if they can pass block for him. Because, you know, Eli, he likes to kind of turtle up when there's any pressure or throw the ball away. I like the receiving core with Odell Beckham. I think he kind of show some maturity at this point in his career. But I love the Giants. I think they'll be the greatest threat to the Eagles. And I think the Eagles and Giants will be the two playoff teams. I don't think the Cowboys are there offensively. Uh, you know, their receiving core is unproven. Dak Prescott really took a step back last year. Uh, and that defense to me just isn't a playoff-based defense. Uh, and then the Redskins, it'll be interesting to see with them, with Alex Smith, uh, what they do. But, again, I just don't think they have the talent top to bottom on the rosters that the Eagles and Giants do. Rick, what are your thoughts on the NFC East? I'm, I'm with that. I, I do believe that the uh, if the Eagles are going to probably easily win that division. But look for the Giants to uh, take a step up and maybe get that wild card spot at Saquon Barkley, and that might take some pressure off Eli because he's getting older and slower. So we'll see what he'll be able to do. And I just think there's a problem with uh, Dallas. And definitely a lot of problems with Washington as they're uh, rebuilding. I think both teams are actually rebuilding because, like I just said, there's really no proven receiving core for Dallas. So, now it's the thing that Des Bryant came out and uh, within the past day or two. So, I do actually side with Des Bryant. I think that there's problems with the Cowboys. I do think their offense is really predictable, and they got a lot of work to do. Mo, what are your thoughts on the NFC East? You know, a year ago this time we were talking about the Giants as possibly a Super Bowl team, and then uh, all kinds of injuries happened. They did upgrade the defense a lot uh, last year, 
And as Ed said, they, they've made some additions to that offensive line, which was uh, terrible. Uh, you know, then you uh, you had guys like Saquon Barkley and returning Odell Beckham, who didn't, you know, even though he's coming off injury, you know, he, he didn't take a lot of hits last year from all the games he missed. And Shepard's back. And, you know, I, I like the, this Giants football team. Again, I think it all hinges on the type of pressure that Saquon Barkley can take off of Eli and, and, and can Eli perform still at, uh, you know, a manageable level to get uh, this team to the Super Bowl. You know, we've seen teams win Super Bowls with quarterbacks who were just game managers. We've seen that a lot. Uh, you know, I, I think it's still the Eagles division. I, I think we very well could see the Cowboys uh, bringing up the basement of this division. Uh, I think Alex Smith uh, to the uh, to the Redskins could, uh, you know, be manageable and decent for them still. And, uh, you know, with the Cowboys, uh, can Ezekiel Elliott keep uh, his ass out of trouble? He hasn't proven that he can do that yet. Uh, can he mature some? Has he matured some in the offseason? Did last year change anything for him? So, you know, when you're when a lot of your season hinges on one one guy like that uh, who is, has been a problem off the field uh, and not just here but also at Ohio State, uh, you know, that's scary for me. And we can see that the Cowboys fall to the basement of that division real quick. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, USA Today, our official NFL uh, contributor, Mo for the BS Sports Show, and our executive producer, Mr. Uh, Rick Riggin. This is The Balance. So glad you could join us on our NFL Preview 2018. All right, Mo, we'll start with you, man. Oh, this is the, the division that everybody's looking at for a lot of reasons, Andrew Luck. And uh, out of the blue, why Andrew Luck was sleeping over the last few years, the AFC South was coming alive, was waking, was being rose from the dead. And you've got the Texans, and you've got the, uh, you've got the Titans, and you've got uh, Butler over at the Titans, and you've got Deshaun Watson. So many storylines out of the AFC South. I, I mean, you gotta like, uh, you gotta like the Jaguars. <laughs> Why they they decided to wake up now is bad. I, I, I think the Colts are gonna have their their work cut out for them. We know that. We know what's going on with Luck. We know all the problems with the Colts. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Titans are getting better. The Jaguars are getting better. The Texans are getting better. And I think everybody's looking at the Jaguars at the Texans uh, in in Week 17. Uh, as that being one of the key games that people are are circling to watch. So as much as I love my Indianapolis Colts, I'm not sure they have enough to win the the division, but stranger things have happened. Mo? Well, I mean, the one good thing for for the Colts is the fact that Andrew Luck, for better part of a year, hasn't taken any hits, uh, you know, to his body. Uh, and I'm sure his body is thankful of that too. The, the biggest thing is, is you know, a couple of years ago we were talking about what a terrible division this was, and I think where all these teams jumped ahead, obviously with the play of these young players, but was the front office. So you look at at the uh, the great drafts that the Jaguars had over the last couple of years, the the drafts that the Texans have had, and the Titans have been able to add pieces and, and draft well. And I think that's where really these three teams have stepped ahead of the Indianapolis Colts uh, is because of, of the great front office. When you're terrible you've got to be able to go in there and draft well and draft good young players and be able to, uh, you know, to put those guys on the field to, that don't cost you a lot of money uh, so you can add guys around them who are, uh, you know, good veterans. So that's one thing that I think all three of these teams have done where they've stepped, uh, uh, taken a big step ahead of the Colts is in the front office. And it'll be a very competitive division. And I think, uh, you know, we could see another year uh, where the Colts, unfortunately, bring up the, the rear of this division but bring up the rear, you know, maybe with like six wins or seven wins, which is terrible uh, to be in the NFL because if you're going to be bad, you might as well be terrible. And I, I think that uh, the Colts addressed some help this year. They had a, a decent draft. Uh, but, again, I, I think that uh, the, the, this division 
uh, is, is a credit to the front office of these other three teams who have really drafted well and taken steps forward. You're absolutely right, Mo. Uh, either be really good or be really bad. That mediocre uh, line is never any good, uh, especially as you're trying to build through the draft. Uh, Ed Kratz, what say you on the AFC South? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a three-year rebuild with the Colts. Uh, you know, they got a little better with this draft, but I just don't I, – I can't see them finishing ahead of any of those other three teams you mentioned. I mean, those other three teams, you know, they could make a push for the Super Bowl, to be honest. I like what Tennessee – has done. The Jags certainly made that push for a Super Bowl last year. Uh, and the Texans with Deshaun Watson back, they're certainly in the mix. So, you know, any of those three teams in that division could challenge for the Super Bowl, in my opinion. And the Colts just aren't ready for that yet. Uh, I think they took some positive steps this year, but now you have to take more. And I, like I said, I think it's a three-year rebuild for them, uh, you know, with uh, Frank Reich as their coach. And as long as they give him time, I think they'll get this thing right. It's just going to, you're going to have some growing pains here along the way. Absolutely. Let the rebuild begin, and I'm all for it. Uh, Rick Riggin, well, what say you? Any thoughts on the AFC South? Yeah, I'm just with the other two. It's a broken record, and then we also talked about what adding a running back can do for your team. So we talked about Kamara with New Orleans and, and uh, uh, Dalvin Cook with Minnesota, and just look at what adding Leonard Fournette did to uh, Jacksonville. Uh, we didn't talk about Blake Bortles at all last year, really just losing games for him because he had a running back that could take a lot of the heat off of him. So uh, I look for Jacksonville to probably do more of the same and then uh, really compete with – I just think Tennessee is a notch below Houston and Jacksonville, in my opinion, but maybe they're right there. I know just signed a, with a Delaney Walker or – not Delaney Walker. One of the tight ends, top, top uh, linemen. Uh, Delaney Walker's a tight end. I'm, I'm goofy. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I just think Tennessee's a step down from Houston and uh, Jacksonville and Deshaun Watson's 100%. Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller is going to be one of the most dynamic combinations in, a, in the uh, NFL this year. Guys, we've got just a few minutes left in our uh, uh, 2018 NFL preview, so we'll just try to get through as much of this as we can before uh, the clock ticks zero on us. Ed Kratz, uh, AFC North, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Browns. Uh, I mean, the Steelers uh, rank with the Patriots and the Eagles as the safest pick, uh, maybe to make it back to the playoffs. Uh, But this was the AFC division that sent three teams to the playoffs back in 2014. While it might be a long shot, Ed, the North has the best chance of any AFC division to do it again, and I think a lot of people are looking at the Bengals at the Steelers at Week 17. Yeah, I I don't see that. I think this division stinks. I mean, aside from the Steelers, uh, you know, the Browns, yeah, they'll be better, but, you know, are they going to push to win the division? I don't think so. I can't believe the Bengals are still going with Dalton and Marvin Lewis. uh, Is Marvin Lewis still in Cincinnati? Sadly, yeah, I believe so. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he somehow yeah, always I can't, I can't manages to survive. <laughs> I, I just can't believe it. I mean, it's time to move on with that organization. And to me, Joe Flacco with the Ravens, uh, you know, they drafted Lamar Jackson for a reason. I just think they're giving up on him. So, you know, this is the Steelers division, and I think it's their division by a long shot. I, I think this is one of the worst divisions in football, to be honest. Well, I hate the Steelers, so I hope you're wrong, Ed. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on the ASC North? Yeah, I agree. We keep talking about the Steelers, you know, every year, possibly a Super Bowl team, and, and compared to the rest of that division, I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be the only team from that division. Uh, I wonder, I'm just looking forward to see Baker Mayfield and what he's going to do with the Browns. I mean, they got a long way to go, but 
let's get about four or five wins there in Cleveland. I think it'd be great. You can always tell a Steeler fan because they're just like a Notre Dame fan. They're the loudest fans in the room. Anyway, Mo, Mo from the BS Sports Show, what are your thoughts on the AFC North? Yeah, I think the division's terrible. Uh, you would think this would be the last year for Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis, but uh, history has shown us that it probably won't be. Uh, you know, it's the Steelers' division by a long shot, but to me, uh, I think the most interesting team in that division is the Cleveland Browns. They can't get any worse, uh, obviously. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think they've made some additions. To me, they had a really good offseason. You know, I, they made a couple of missteps in the draft, I think. But uh, as far as guys they've brought in, I think they're going to be one of the most interesting teams in the NFL just to keep an eye on uh, just because of the mix of, uh, of, of people they have in there. So uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, Hard Knock series uh, next week on HBO with them. Uh, even though they're not going to be good, I think it'll be interesting, which is if you can't be good, at least be interesting. Uh, absolutely. All right, guys, I think we've got time for one more division. We'll just go ahead and throw out the AFC West because we want to talk about John Gruden. We want to talk about the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. Uh, so we'll start with uh, Umo. Uh, the Chargers at the Chiefs week uh, 15, uh, Thursday night football. I think that's the key matchup. But certainly a lot of good uh, teams there. But you got to look at uh, the, the Raiders and the Chiefs uh, to be t- uh, two solid teams there in the AFC West. Oh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Patrick, what up Mahomes does this year, uh, taking over for Alex Smith, the quarterback. Uh, you know, the Chargers, you know, a lot of people counted them out last year, and they had a pretty solid uh, season going on. Uh, to me, the most uh, interesting team, I, I think, will be the Raiders. Uh, what does John Gruden do? Has the game passed him by coming back after all these years? The relationship between uh, him and the uh, and Derek Carr, the quarterback. But I, I, what I find most interesting and most troubling for this team is, you know, a lot of times we talk about the most important player on the uh, football team being the quarterback. But to me, for this team, it's Khalil Mack. And, the, you know, the fact he came out this week and publicly said that, uh, that he hadn't spoken to John Gruden since he took over, uh, you know, his holdout. I, I think uh, the, the relationship with Khalil Mack and John Gruden uh, could be very troublesome for this team. To me, he's the most important guy on that football team. It's not Derek Carr. So, uh, you know, you look at the team that's going to be moving here before too long. Uh, I think this could be a year where the Raiders are, you know, just uh, have a miserable season because of, of some of the people they've let go and some of the fiery personality with uh, with John Gruden. Uh, the relationship with him and Khalil Mack, I think, would be key to the season being some of its success for the Raiders. Uh, Ed, go ahead. What are your thoughts on, on the um... – on the AFC West, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, you know, I, I never understood all the love for John Gruden. It had been a long time since he was a head coach. This game changes quickly. We'll see if he still has it. Uh, you know, the Chargers, to me, are, are a team you really have to look at. Uh, you know, Phillip Rivers has been doing it a long time. Could this be his year that he finally breaks through and maybe wins the Super Bowl? I don't think so. They had a key injury this week, losing their cornerback, uh, Jason Barrett, to, uh, for the season probably. And, um, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, there you go, with Andy Reid, you know, the quarterback whisperer, what he did with Donovan McNabb and, and even Nick Foles and some of the others uh, that Reid's worked with. So, uh, you know, I like the Chiefs uh, in this division. The Broncos, you know, is Case Keenum. Uh, can he have that same kind of year that he had last year with Minnesota? I, You know, I don't know. But, but I do like the Broncos a little bit, too. I think it's the Broncos and the Chiefs in this division. And maybe the Chargers can push. Uh, you know, push to, to kind of get in the mix as well. But I, I'm with Mo. I'm not a big uh, – I think this could be a bad year for the Raiders. Uh, Rick, uh, what are your thoughts on the AFC West? Um, I'm just with the other guys except for the fact that I actually 
going to take the Chargers in this division this year. I mean, they're really sneaky good, and it's crazy because I get the feeling that the city of Los Angeles doesn't really want them there at the same time, but they're a good football team because you always see the stuff on social media. They have these events set up for fans to come out and meet and greet players and everything, and nobody shows up to them. You know, so it's weird to me, but they're like sneaky good, and I'm taking. I want to take the Chargers in this division. I, I think the Raiders are going to take a step back. Uh, I, I'm not sure where, you know, the Mahomes and Andy Reid and how that's all going to work out just yet. Probably great, uh, and then I just don't know anything much about the Denver Broncos right now. So, but I'm going to take the Chargers uh, in this division this year. All right, guys, real quickly, time for our thumbs up, thumbs down poll. Uh, Shady McCoy out with the Bills. Uh, certainly a big destruction. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, Shady McCoy makes the difference for the Buffalo Bills. Ed? Uh, so, I, well, nothing's happened. I, you know, things just, he always gets in trouble, it seems, in the offseason, and nothing ever sticks to him. So I'll say thumbs up. He's going to be with the Bills and he'll help them win. Rick, thumbs up or thumbs down with the Bills? Yeah, thumbs up. I just don't think the Bills are going to be any good this year, but hey, help get a, give them a couple wins, so thumbs up. Mo, thumbs up, thumbs down. Shady McCoy going to be uh, a distraction, going to uh, cost the season for the Bills, basically. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Well, I'm going to give him a thumbs up, and I think any team would take the protection that Shady McCoy gets that – uh, every off season, boy, if you could have that as your offensive line, you, you'd be a Super Bowl winner every year. So thumbs up to Shady McCoy and whoever protects him. It's rare that we all agree on thumbs up, but thumbs up it is. Also, as as of yet, there's there's not been any formal charges. Uh, the investigation has not panned out to really be much of anything. So until that happens, I'm going to go uh, with thumbs up. Uh, appreciate you joining us, and I know you're down to the beach. Hope you have a uh, break from at the beach where people find your work and your masterpiece to see. Yeah, hit me up on Twitter at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E, and uh, that's where you can find my stuff. All right, buddy. Have yourself a good week. We appreciate you. Hey, thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. See you, Ed. Ed Kratz, Ed Kratz uh, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, you say today, our official NFL contributor. Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, Mo, what are, you, what are you guys working on this week? And uh, I assume you're covering some bear action. Uh, what are your thoughts? Where can people find your work? I'm leaving. I'm leaving the Bears today and heading to uh, Baltimore. Uh, but you can find uh, my stuff uh, on Twitter at Mo Radio Show, and for another hour at the uh, Double Tree in Chicago, Roommate Sixteen. All right, sounds good. Mo, you have yourself a good week and travel safe. Uh, thanks, guys. Rick Riggin. Rick Riggin. Whoa, Rick, come back. Uh, we lost Rick. I'm trying to effort to get Rick back. I wanted to to get a uh, final plug um, on the. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to get a final plug on on the breaking rink. <laughs> we'll see if we get him back. Uh, let's try. Okay, well, we're probably not going to be able to get him back. <laughs> well, I just wanted to promote Breaking Rank a little bit. My name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. Thanks for joining us today on our 2018, uh, 2018 uh, uh, NFL preview. Brain dead all of a sudden. 
917-889-8516 is our digits when you want to join us on the show. Make sure you catch us on uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, as well as TuneIn, Stitcher, and all the major platforms. My name is Tom Marquez El Presidente. I'm out of here. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. Deuces. <laughs> Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.